Today's scripture reading is from Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. May God bless the reading of his word. I'd now like to invite Pat, who is going to um, finish off our, ser- our sermon series in Malachi with our concluding sermon. Good morning, Crossbridge. In our series from Malachi, we have been unpacking these six disputes that arose after the Israelites returned from the Babylonian exile, this period in biblical Israel where they were defeated and carried off to Babylon. Despite being restored to Jerusalem and to the temple, the they questioned God's love. And this is something that ought to grieve us. But not only did they question God's love, but they worshiped carelessly. They violated covenants, defiled their marriages, denied God of the tribute, and belittled God's authority. And today, we are going to finish this sermon series. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment two old friends, and they find themselves standing on opposite sides of a street. It's a busy street. And they catch each other's gaze across that street, and they're flooded. They they have this flood of emotions. They're remembering the, the laughter that they enjoyed, the pain of that disagreement and the weight of it since their disagreement. Um, Each one waits, hoping the other will make the first move to cross the street to be reconciled. But the traffic, the noise, their busy schedules, which is something we can identify with, and also the fear of rejection holds them back. Yet in that moment, don't they realize that a simple gesture, maybe a wave or a nod or even a smile, could initiate that reconciliation and restoration? Now, many of us I know have found ourselves in a similar situation. Moments where reconciliation seemed just one step away, but something held us back. What was it? Was it pride? Was it fear or maybe the shame of that last encounter? But here, let me present to you a beautiful truth. God's grace is a bridge that can span the widest chasms in our hearts. It's the hand that reaches out and invites us in to receive that embrace of reconciliation. And so today, as we ruminate on these verses from Malachi 4, we are reminded 
to remember, to anticipate, and most importantly, to reconcile. The prophet Malachi in this concluding chapter paints a vivid picture of a world standing at a precipice of choice. You choose reconciliation or you choose ruin. This message for each of us is for each of us today, especially in a world where we find ourselves increasingly divided and fragmented. The heart of today's message is simple yet vital. Embracing Moses' enduring mandate, anticipating Elijah's imminent return, and choosing reconciliation over ruin. By these ways, we stand ready to shine with God's glory, a beacon of his love and truth. It's a call to draw from the wellspring of God's grace, to fully embody unity and love that Christ desires for each of us. As we proceed through today's text, I invite each of us to open our hearts to the transformative power of God's grace. Let's explore the depths of God's call for us, understanding the significance of God's teaching that um, Moses brought through Malachi, the promise of Elijah's return, and the profound importance of reconciliation in our lives. Let's be inspired to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Let's be inspired to extend love, grace, and truth to a world that is desperately in need of it. Beloved, this message is particularly for those of you who are hurt caused through conflict. Now, I realize it may seem easier to withdraw, isolate, or to avoid. But you know this is to be true for you, that your mind, your heart, does not let you rest. Please don't ignore what your conscience makes you feel. You can choose the path of reconciliation, drawing strength from God's boundless grace, and let your heart be transformed and restored with hope, joy, and love that God intends for you to have. Please join me in prayer before we continue. Heavenly Father, open our hearts as we open your word. Guide our understanding and empower us to embrace reconciliation through your amazing grace. May we respond with both courage and love. Amen. Now, amidst the ebb and flow of our faith journeys, there is a timeless message that seeks our attention. It's a very soft and gentle prompt to remember. You see, we're not about to set off on a tour of an ancient, irrelevant uh, collection of divine directives. Here is your chance to internalize and uphold the holy teachings that form our spiritual foundation. The prophet exhorts us. It's God who compassionately reminds us, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Verse 4. Have you ever paused to consider the depth behind that plea 
remember. Now, as we look at the prophet's message, we see that remember is a strongly evocative word. It serves as an open door, this invitation. to It is inviting us in to be wrapped up in the strong embrace of God's love and wisdom. It's much like a parent who shares age-old family stories. It's not about reliving the past. It's about building upon a legacy, incorporating and embodying deep values and identity. And what do we make of the law of my servant Moses? You know, I challenge us not to see this as just looking at rules. Instead, view it as you might see a North Star on a dark and vast night, dark night. It's guides us through the maze of life. This law is the bedrock of our beliefs. It's as steadfast as the root of that banyan tree in Lahaina that continued to stand tall through the fierce Maui fires. And Horeb, where is this place? It's, it's not just some spot in, on a map. It refers to this area where we find and locate Mount Sinai, where Moses received the tablets. It's where the transcendent God touched down to earth. His appearance is a testimony of God's commitment and, and faithfulness. It's the very ground where God is whispering his promises and he sealed his eternal commitment to his children. And for the statutes and rules, uh, we might think of them as dried ink on parchment, and that would be fair, but it's alive, pulsing with the rhythm of God's timeless and dynamic rule. When embraced and followed, they become like the voices in a choir, each contributing to a melody that sings of God's love, grace, and his faithfulness. So, why are we spending so much time looking at this word remember? Now, it's obviously, it's for emphasis, but it's much more. It's a loving reminder from God. It's as if God is saying to us, never forget the image and my love from which you have been created. It's a prompt urging us to take faith and put it on like a radiant and true armor. But how exactly are we to bridge these ancient truths with our contemporary lives? Jesus provides the key reminding us from Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish, accomplish their purpose. You see, this is the fabric of our faith. While God's word stands eternal, our faith remains steadfast and strong, enabling us to discern God's activity in our busy and ever-changing world. See, as we stand at the intersection of this old, age-old wisdom and modernity, 
I encourage you to treasure and cherish this timeless teaching that Moses brings us. Let's, let's be willing to carry the torch of truth, life in an ever-darkening world. Let's sprinkle joy and meaning into the lives that we encounter. And above all, will we embody the spirit of Jesus, extending and radiating his boundless love, grace, and compassion every waking moment? I know it's hard, but we can do it. Echoing the Apostle Paul in Romans 15:4, we read, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Romans 15, 4. So let's cling to that hope, savor that solace, and live out these teachings. For in doing so, we not only honor Moses' legacy and God's mandate, but we will in some real way light the way forward for future generations to enter in to this transformative embrace of God's grace and love. Now, along our faith journey, let's remember that true obedience is more than rule following. It's aligning our hearts with God's heart. It's living a life that mirrors Christ's love and grace. And as we look to our future... As we cherish Malachi's words and answer this call, we are entering into true devotion. And which one of us doesn't want that? So let's be a community that not only reads God's words, but we will work it out in our daily lives. For in this, we prepare for the return of this Elijah figure that we'll look at next Because on that day, that day of the Lord, it will be a dreadful day, a dreadful day of reckoning. So let's be a beacon of hope, of grace in a world that is so desperate for good news and salvation. So now let's look at that Elijah figure. Uh, In the intricate weave of Malachi's prophecy, there lies a promise that has resonated throughout salvation history, this story of the way God saves. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Verse 5. This is a bold prophecy and a divine assurance. Now, you picture this, a vast canvas painted with the hues of history, and right at the center, we have the figure of Elijah, And what does he symbolize? He symbolizes both hope and preparation. But why Elijah? Why this particular prophet? I I propose that the answer lies in the very essence of his legacy. Elijah, if we look at his name, means my God is Yahweh. Now, he was more than a prophet. His name was a testament declaring God's sovereignty. Now, see, Elijah epitomized unwavering faith, serving as a voice in the wilderness and as a precursor to God's divine acts. The phrase, great and awesome day of the Lord, signifies a monumental event, 
one that evokes both awe and caution. It carried with it the force of a transformative global event, both anticipated and yet feared. Um, Some of us have that feeling when we think about AI, such as when we look at the potential of ChatGPT, BARD, or other large language models, because with it brings that potential of either revolutionizing our world or overturning society to its core. You see, the mood that Malachi sets here is quite solemn and cautionary. He speaks with authority, much like you would expect from an experienced elder, using prophecy to herald a significant event. You see, his is not just some mere announcement. It's a call to both vigilance and preparation. It's like a teacher who tells you, hey, there's a surprise quiz coming up. You may not know when it's coming, but you know the test is inevitable. For modern believers, the teachings from Malachi and the roles of figures like Elijah and John the Baptist offer us important insights. Both Elijah and John, though they existed in distinct eras, they had a parallel mission, guiding people back to God. Their impacts, though subtle at times and not so subtle at other times, played pivotal roles in God's design of salvation. We must remember that God's word is living and active, Hebrews 4.12. Active means effective, powerful, and operative, being able to produce its intended result. The word of God achieves God's purpose and brings his desired outcomes. It permeates and penetrates. God's word permeates the very whole person by soul and spirit, and it penetrates to the deepest parts of our nature by joints and marrow. And its application meets the needs of every generation. That's why we can look to God's word and believe and benefit. The New Testament, in its sublime wisdom, echoes this theme of preparation in verse 5. John the Baptist, with his fiery zeal and unyielding faith, emerges as the embodiment of this Elijah figure. Now, he wasn't Elijah reincarnated, but he represented the spirit and power of that great prophet, Preparing the way for Jesus, he called out in the wilderness, urging souls to repentance. And while he paved the way for the Savior, Jesus himself hinted at another Elijah figure, one that would emerge in the end time, further emphasizing the layered fulfillment of prophecies. See, drawing parallels from the past, Let's compare the roles of Elijah and John the Baptist. Both were distinct in their appearances, setting them apart in crowds. Their lifestyles, devoid of luxuries, uh, were a testament to their dedication. Their missions, though separated by centuries, 
were similar to guide people back to God. And while their immediate impacts may have seemed subtle, their role was monumental. What does that mean for us today as followers of Christ? What does it mean for you? It means that preparation is key. As as the world around us continues to change, we must hold on to our spiritual legacy while adapting to our present circumstances. We must value our teachers, those who interpret this age-old beliefs in a way that resonates with today's youth. And most importantly, we must strike a balance between tradition and modernity, ensuring that our faith remains both grounded and relevant. Crossbridge, I urge you to embrace this spirit of Elijah. Prepare for the foretold messenger's arrival. Value the ancient teachings and find the balance between tradition and our ever-evolving world. By doing so, we honor what prophets like Elijah and John the Baptist brought and how they set the stage for a future where our faith will shine brighter than ever because our circumstances will become darker than ever. We've now arrived at my third and last point. In the heart of verse 6 lies an urgent call to action. It speaks of the solemn need for reconciliation, and in this case, between the bonds within a family and between generations. Reconciliation is that act of restoring the relationship between the offender and the person offended. Now, reconciliation and forgiveness, they're related, but they are different. The difference between forgiveness and reconciliation is that forgiveness requires nothing of, from the person we are forgiving. Let me repeat that. Forgiveness requires nothing from the person we're forgiving. The offender doesn't even know, need to know that we have forgiven them. On the other hand, reconciliation requires repentance from the offender. And even then, that offender cannot, must not dictate the form of reconciliation. So let me pose this to us, to you. Should a Christian forgive his colleague for gossiping and ruining his reputation in the office? Do they need to? Does that Christian need to forgive? The answer is yes. Forgiveness is not only commanded, but it is expected of him according to the teachings of Jesus. But is reconciliation also expected? That depends on several factors. First, the gossiper must repent of his actions. He must stop spreading gossip about his colleague. Reconciliation is impossible apart from this action. But even if he repents of gossip, it may take time and ongoing trustworthiness on his part before reconciliation between their co-workers is possible. And even then, that breach of trust could be so damaged and irreparable that 
it would be impossible for that professional relationship to be salvaged. In other words, the offender cannot control the terms of reconciliation, but the co-worker must forgive the gossiper. But reconciliation and forgiveness are a different thing. Reconciliation requires repentance, the rebuilding of trust, and the grace of God to accomplish it. Thanks to the God-inspired authors like Malachi, the Bible is full of powerful stories of reconciliation and the call to be reconciled. This is to demonstrate the power of God and highlight his glory in restoring broken things. God can take broken relationships and mend them. He can heal the deepest wounds. Do you believe it? Do you believe God can do this? Verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, verse 6 paints, it's, verse 6 is the last verse of the Old Testament, and it paints this really stark picture. Either both parties reconcile that broken family and generational bond, or they face the threat of utter destruction depicted by that dreadful Hebrew term. Now, those of you who have studied it, this word harem, translated as utter destruction here, it signifies something that is devoted either to the Lord or to destruction. It's serious. It is a devoted thing. And this is the same term that is used in Joshua Chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, to describe God's decree for the complete annihilation of that city of Jericho. Cities or people under this harem or the ban or the curse were those assigned to total destruction with nothing to be spared, captured, or kept. The same term with the same meaning is used also in 1 Samuel chapter 15 in reference to the Amalekites. The implications are clear. Without reconciliation, we not only risk earthly discord, but divine judgment. Now, let's, let's look at this phrase, turn the heart. Now, it's a call, a clear one, to transformation, a change in attitude and direction. When Malachi speaks of fathers to the children, he underscores the importance of mending generational rifts. Now, consider a young man who has been estranged from his father due to circumstances that separated them when he was just a boy. Now, Because of the common ground they are now able to find through shared experience and open dialogue, they can be reconciled. There's this act that they're being called into to to come together in order to understand and express empathy. And in doing so, they are doing the very thing that is spoken of here, which is turning the heart. They're putting themselves in the posture and of turning their hearts. And you see in this parallelism here, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children 
to their fathers. It emphasizes a mutuality. It's a two-way street in reconciliation. Both parties must engage. Now, for those of us who are grappling with the brokenness of conflict and the daunting task of reconciliation, let's remember this. It's not about forgetting and putting the past hurts behind us, but it's about confronting and seeking healing in the midst of that hurt. Israel was called to reconcile before the day of the Lord, and we too are urged to be reconciled now and to seek healing now before it's too late. By embracing his gospel, we find the grace to reconcile. But the stakes are high. The warnings of impending judgment is a sobering reminder of the eternal consequences of our choices. The New Testament echoes this emphasis of reconciliation. John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, called people to repentance. And of course, this aligns with Malachi's message. And Jesus himself taught the importance of reconciliation urging us to mend our relationships as a reflection of our bond with God. And Jesus is that forementioned person that follows after the emergence of this Elijah figure, who is John the Baptist. And the, and the author of Revelation, John, described there in Revelations 11, 1 to 13, he, he describes an event during the end times when there are two witnesses who will preach against the Antichrist and lead many to repent. You see, Malachi verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, prophesies the return of Elijah before a pivotal event, distinct from the messenger mentioned in Malachi 3.1, who prepares the way for the Lord. Jesus, referencing this prophecy after the death of John the Baptist, he affirms in Matthew 17:11 that Elijah's return is still anticipated. Now, the Lord's affirmation underscores the significance of Elijah in the context of Malachi's prophecy. In the context of the Messiah's anticipated arrival, it's believed that the Messiah's role was not just spiritual but also societal aiming to bring unity across all segments of society. With Christ's coming, a new paradigm was introduced, one that would determine our fate on the day of judgment. Over time, the sometimes vague prophecies become clearer, the prophecies that Malachi brings. Jesus, through his unexpected yet transformative presence, brought these prophecies to fruition, reshaping beliefs and establishing our practice. In a role reminiscent of Elijah, John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus, emphasizing the importance of righteousness and turning our hearts towards God. Crossbridge, I urge you to follow Christ's lead, forgive one another, and pave the way for reconciliation. The rewards are invaluable. Through reconciliation, we find peace, unity, and restored relationships both with each other and with God. It's not just about mending our earthly relationships, but it's about securing our eternal security 
with God in heaven. Prioritize reconciliation. Don't put it off. For in reconciliation, we experience God's grace and the peace that it brings. As I draw this sermon and series to a close, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to reflect upon Malachi's message and awaken from spiritual apathy if that is what you have right now. Today, we looked at Moses' teachings and the prophecy of this forerunner in the spirit of Elijah. How will you prepare your hearts for the return of Jesus Christ? Malachi's closing words in the Old Testament emphasize the restoration of familial bonds, especially between parents and children. For God, of course, that renewal is pivotal, ensuring that the Messiah's advent, his return, brings blessings rather than judgment. Repentance leads to reconciliation and restored family ties, and this theme is echoed throughout Scripture. And at the heart of today's message is reconciliation. Beyond repairing earthly relationships, it's about restoring our eternal relationship with the Father, the weight of our sins and the regrets of our past and the sorrows of our hearts can be overwhelming, are they not? But Jesus reaches out, offering redemption and renewal. His arms are open wide, ready to embrace us, heal our wounds, and transform our lives. Now, as our worship team makes their way forward, I encourage you to immerse yourself in the deep, deep grace before you. Let this upcoming song inspire and move you to release your burdens, to repent and receive the gift of his forgiveness. Let's gather under Christ's banner and let our hearts be restored. Let's radiate hope, love, and God's grace to a world that's in desperate need. Remember, our divine mission is reconciliation, and through it, we find our true purpose and peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, guide our hearts toward genuine repentance and reconciliation. Strengthen our commitment to your call and let us embody your love and grace in every step we take. In Jesus' name, amen.